Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. It is great to have everybody with us this morning on Super Bowl Sunday. Woo! Woo! Whatever. Um, no, welcome. I'm Pastor Chris. Great to have you with us here in the room. Hey, and great to have everybody online. Thank you for tuning in. Um, how many of you, um, you know, how many of you had no idea that today there was a Super Bowl, and if your life depended on it, you couldn't tell me who the two, two teams were? Okay, quite a number of people. How many people are going, could only care about the Super Bowl because you're going to a party, you're going to eat some snacks, or watch the commercials, or, uh, yeah, and uh, who's the halftime show today? Shakira and J-Lo, wow. So we're going to be shaking a little bit. Okay, that's, that's about all I can do. Anyway, anyway, J- <laughs> never mind. Okay, hey, we did have a great, great uh, Life Group Sunday last week, as Scott uh, already mentioned. And I do want to mention that because we had some voting last week. And uh, so we, um, uh, we had a winner. With that, we had one winner that kind of ran away with like the top three categories. Uh, and it was uh, Pris- Jeff and Prisca Denton. And uh, what was the name of their group? It is the Word, Word Workout on Sundays at 3 o'clock. Uh, best sales pitch, best overall, most creative. And obviously you guys are enthralled with um, Game of Thrones, I guess. Because I think there was a little, no, I mean our church, because they voted for you, obviously. Um, but uh, also, and then, uh, and we've already awarded them, but also, uh, there's Prisca right here. But in the back, uh, I see uh, Ashley back there, Ashley Honaki, uh, she won overall for food, for the best snack. And uh, usually that's my win, but she's swept it away this year. And uh, so a few people have signed up for holy yoga, evidently, like uh, a hundred, I think, or something like that. So anyway, we're excited about groups, and I'm glad you've taken that next step, which, by the way, is one of the uh, uh, part of our challenge. For the 100-day challenge, we had some daily challenges. We had three daily challenges, read the Word, memorize the Word, and get moving, get off your sofa, couch, and, and exercise. And then three next steps were uh, get connected. Uh, which you did last week. You got connected and you joined a life group. Uh, Start serving and start giving. Okay, those are the next steps. Now, we kicked off the new year with a new series appropriately called The New You. And this series is all about getting on track uh, with the different areas of your life, with the life that God intended for you to live. And so far in this series, we've talked about the new you spiritually, uh, the new you physically, emotionally, and last week, relationally. Now today, we're going to talk about an area of your life that stresses us out the most, the new you financially, finances, money. So let me ask you a question, though. Do you think that that's God's plan for your life? I mean, do you actually believe that God's intention for your life is for you to be stressed out over money, constantly worried about money? No, Absolutely not. That's not the you that God intended. And the truth is, God wants to bless you financially. He doesn't want you to drown, you know, in your finances. God loves you. God wants you blessed, not stressed. And that is why God gives us his financial principles in the Bible, in his word, so that we can avoid the pain of financial stress, whether it be debt, uh, constantly arguing about money, overspending, or the worry that you're never going to have enough. Now, let me just say this, though. Everything I just said does not mean that God wants you to be wealthy, you know, or for you to have everything that you want to have. But what that does mean 
is that when you and I listen to God, when we honor him with our finances and with his principles, that God will bless you. And he promises to, uh, to, to bless you with everything that you need to live, to meet all of your needs. And then, above and beyond that, he promises to bless you with intangible blessings of life, spiritual blessings, strengthened relationships, greater significance and impact in this life, a, a closer relationship with him. And he will replace your financial stress with his peace. But here's the thing. You've got to first put yourself in a position where God can bless you, and God cannot bless you in this area of your life if you're going to ignore his principles. Now, the key to getting into a position where God can bless your life is to begin to live the generous life and to excel in this area. So, how do we get there? Well, by taking next steps taking next steps on something that we call around here the generosity ladder. By the way, most of life is about taking next steps. I mean, if you're going to grow and learn in almost any area of life, okay, whether that's uh, learning to walk, you know, as an infant, or, or getting healthy, learning a language, whatever it might be, you have next steps to take. Now, the generosity ladder there on your outline, it is simply a tool to help you and I visualize taking next steps in your journey toward financial freedom. Now, let me issue this little caveat here. I realize, I've been doing this for a long, long time. This year in 2020, it's the 30th year, the 30th anniversary of this church and me being the pastor here. And so I've been doing this a long time, and I realize that anytime, anytime we talk about money, we talk about giving, it can be a very, very touchy subject for some people. And maybe you're here today, and you know this is your first time at Coastal. Uh, or maybe you're here, and uh, you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. And so you showed up on Super Bowl Sunday, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, great. I can't believe it. You know, if I come to church, and they're talking about money. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. The only thing the church wants is my what? My money. I actually think it's a great day for you to be here. I really do. I believe that. Because here's what I believe. I, I understand. I think you believe this too. The world's way of money and finances and handling money is not working. We, we are in a mess. I could, just, I could just give you statistic after statistic about the debt that we're in and the mess that we're in. I don't think I need to do that because I think you understand that. So the world's way is not working, but here's what I know that I know that I know. God's way does work. It does. And that's true of every area of life. His way simply works, and we have the answers. So I, I, I don't mind. In fact, I'm glad that you're here. So I want to challenge everybody, everybody in this room, to have an open mind and an open heart about what God might want to say to you today about your next step. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now I want you to underline that last phrase. 
See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You see, when it comes to your spiritual journey, God wants you to excel in all of these areas. I mean, he says that, you know, in your faith, your speech, your love, and your knowledge. However, he also wants you to excel. He wants you to grow at giving, in, in, in generosity. Why? Because it honors him. It puts you in a position where he can bless your life, where you can become the new you financially. Now, in other words, what Paul is saying here is that when it comes to your spiritual growth, you know, when it, when it comes to the habit of generosity, it is as important to your spiritual growth, the habit of generosity is, as, as Bible study, as prayer, as attending church, as being in a life group. It's just as important. In fact, in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's where you spend your money that determines where your heart goes. Okay, think about this for a minute. Think about it this way. Let's pretend that you, you are investing in the stock market and you have uh, some of your money uh, in a particular company. Guess what? You're going to know everything you, you can know about that particular company. Why? Because your money's invested there. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure goes, there your heart will soon follow. Your heart follows your money. You see, ultimately, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, God doesn't want your money. He wants what it represents. And Jesus said, it represents your heart. See, that is a biblical principle straight from the mouth of Jesus. Now, what that means is this. If you and I want to make God a priority in our life, if you want to love God more, you don't do it just by saying it. No. You make that a priority in your finances. And then your heart will draw closer to God. That's exactly what Jesus said. You see, spiritually speaking, you will never be where you should be with God if your heart is following your money somewhere else. So if you want to be the new you, and the new you financially, this is an area you've got to get a handle on. So today, what I want to talk about is moving up the generosity ladder, okay? Taking next steps, whatever that might be for you, and moving toward the life of blessing, which is ultimately where God wants you and I to live, the new you financially. So if you're taking notes, first step, get started and give. Get started and give. You know, the first step in developing any, any positive habit in your life usually is the most difficult. You know, in the 100-day challenge, we've been talking about, uh, you know, the, those three daily steps, right? You know, get, uh, you know, start reading, start memorizing, and get moving. So if, like, if you said, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into shape, I'm going to develop this habit of working out. Typically, the most difficult and the hardest step to take is the first step. You know, it's getting up in the morning and going to the gym or getting down on the floor and doing those push-ups or those sit-ups or going for that walk. It's the first step. And so if you want to develop this habit of generosity and to move toward the blessed life, you've, and you want to honor God with your finances, typically the most difficult step 
is to give an offering for the first time. It's just to get started. And so I want to challenge you today. You know, if, if you have never given before, you know, if you come to Coastal and you, you receive, you enjoy, you listen, you hear, you experience everything that's here, but you've never given, I want to challenge you to get started and to give something. That, that, that'll be half the battle, just getting started. In fact, look at this next passage. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with how much money your neighbor makes. And that's not what it says, does it? In keeping with whose income? Your income. How God has blessed you, Paul is saying. Set aside some money each week to give to the church so that the church can make an impact in the world based on how God has blessed you. Now, most people don't think about how the church exists, how the church does what it does, everything that it does. Some people might assume that, well, there's probably some big donors out there that, you know, just make it all possible. Or maybe, you know, Coastal's got some kind of secret trust fund that uh, funds all the ministries of the church, or Pastor Chris won the lottery and, you know, pays all the bills, or, you know, listen, the reason, the reason our church is able to do everything that it does is because of the faithful, consistent, generous giving of the people of this church. Period. And that's actually the way God designed it to be. Okay, now, that's the first step. But it's not just that they gave once, okay? It's the next step on the generosity ladder. That next rung, they gave, number two, they give consistently, they give consistently. In other words, they move from just being, you know, a kind of one-time or maybe even a periodic giver, you know, kind of when they think about or when something special happens. No, they become a systematic giver, a regular giver. In fact, go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians. When did they give? On the first day of every week, in keeping with their own income. In other words, give according to however you get paid. That's the principle from Scripture. Now, that might be weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, but it becomes consistent. It's a regular habit. In other words, it becomes a part of your worship. Now, when we give to the church, we make it possible for the church to do God's will here and, and, and in the world. But secondly, when we give to the church, it binds our heart to the body of Christ. And it makes us more passionate about the church, more involved, more invested. You want to know one of the keys to happiness? Look at this next verse. I love this verse, Hebrews 13, 5. One of the keys to happiness. Here's what it says. Chase after money, always wanting more. That's not what it says, is it? I like to do that a lot, don't I? Yeah, I'll keep you on your toes there. No, what does it say? Don't love money. By the way, money is not the root of all evil. The Bible says it's the love of money. And he says it here again. Don't love money, but be satisfied with what you have. That's the principle of contentment. That's why this, this nation is in debt. Because we've not learned this secret. Learning to be content with the stuff that God has given you. And then, in, in turn, learning to be generous. Holding the things that God has blessed us with, with an open hand. That is one of the keys to happiness. So I want to challenge you here today. 
If you are here and you consider Coastal to be your home and you are not a regular, consistent giver, in other words, you've only given me like once or you've only given, you know, periodically, sporadically, hey, take your next step. Become consistent. Become a, a consistent, regular giver. Move from being one time to being systematic. And say, I'm going to give regularly. You know, one of the ways that, uh, an easy way to do this here at Coastal is to automate your giving. You know, typically in your own life, you automate what you consider to be important. And that's an easy step to do that. So, but you don't stay there. Step number three. Move quickly to obedience. Move quickly to obedience. Now, initial giving, getting started. I think that's a great step. Consistent giving. That's wonderful. But many of you are stuck there. You're stuck there. And you got to understand something. You are just starting to become obedient. But listen, partial obedience... What would you tell your kids? It's the same thing as disobedience. What does it mean then to be obedient to God in the area of giving and generosity? Well, according to the Bible, obedience is bringing God the tithe. The tithe, T-I-T-H-E. Malachi 3, 8 through 10, listen to this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, looking at that verse, the first thing we notice is that God says we should bring a tithe to him. Now, tithe simply means giving God the first 10% of what he has blessed you with. The second thing we notice here is that the Bible says we should bring the tithe to God's storehouse, that there be food in his house. In the Old Testament, that referred to the temple. That was the place of worship in the Old Testament. So the principle for us is that you should bring the tithe to the local church where you are being fed spiritually. And then this passage makes it clear that if we don't do that, if we don't bring God the first 10% of what he is blessed with, we are literally robbing from God and we are living under a curse. Whew. Now what does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches that everything you have in your life, everything, every good thing, that it all comes from God. Your health, your relationships, your family, your talents, your finances, your possessions, your stuff. Ultimately, they all come from God. And God has given us all these blessings in our life so that we can leverage them and use them during the short time that we have on the, here on this earth to make an impact, to share an experience, the life and love of Jesus with Charleston and the world. And the Bible even says that at the end of our life, every believer, you call yourself a Christian, a believer, we will all stand before God and we will give an account of how we use, how we leverage, how we manage everything that he's given us. And so God says, look, this is what I want. I want you to give back to me the first 10% of what I blessed you with. That's mine. I own it. 
And then I want you to leverage and to manage and to live off of the other 90%. Now, to me, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, God could have reversed it. He could have said, you bring me the 90% that I blessed you with, and you live on the 10%. But he didn't. He said, the first 10% that I blessed you with doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. So I want you to bring it back to me. And then I want you to live on the 90%. And, and what he says is, if you keep the 10% from God, you're robbing him. You're driving a stolen car. You're living in a stolen house. The clothes that you're wearing have been shoplifted. You're robbing from him. And he says, by the way, you will live under a curse. Now here's what that curse is. It is the absence of God's blessing. You might write that down. It's not on your notes. It's not a blank. It is the absence of God's blessing. I, think it's a pro, I don't think it's a proactive thing where God is out to get you or out to zap you because you don't tithe. But I believe it's a reactive thing where God withholds his blessing from you because you've chosen not to obey him. So I want to ask you a question. Do you want God's blessing on your life? Do you want God's blessing on your finances? I certainly do. Also notice this. God says if you bring the whole tithe, he will open the floodgates of heaven, and bless you in an amazing way. And then he says something that is actually not found anywhere else in the entire Bible. He says, test me in this. This is the Pepsi challenge verse of the Bible. This is the double dog dare challenge. God's saying, I double dog dare you. And see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and bless your life. Now that's a promise that God made then and he's making to us now. Test me in this, tithe, and see if I don't bless your life. Now I also want you to notice this, and this is important. Tithing is not just about the quantity, it's also about the quality. Yes, it's, it's about proportion, but it's not just about proportion, it's also about priority. Over and over again, in this passage and other places he says, you bring the first fruits, the first 10%. Now, we do this all the time. We, we rob God on the quality. We say, God, we want you to be first in our life, but then we relegate to him the leftovers. Well, if I have something left over, God, then I'm going to give it to you. If there's anything left, then I'll tithe. Now, I, I get a question like this all the time over the years. Again, I've been doing this a long time. Pastor Chris, so should I tithe on my gross income or my what? My net income. Should I tithe before or after what? Taxes. And my response always is, well, that depends. Do you want God to bless your gross income or your net income? Now, but really, biblically, the truth is this. Remember, the tithe is the first 10%. So if you say, well, I'm going to tithe after taxes, then you aren't giving God the first. You're giving the government, Uncle Sam, first, and you're giving God what's left over. So if you want to honor God, if you want to tithe in an honoring way, it's off everything. You see, listen to this. This is what a real tithe is. A real tithe is when you get paid, however you get paid, however much you get paid, you say, all right, God, this is what you blessed me with. 
And so before I do anything else, before I pay taxes, before I pay bills, before I save, before I invest, here's the very first 10%. This belongs to you. You've blessed me and you want it back, so therefore it is yours. That's what it means to tithe. That's it. You see, if God is truly the priority of your life, he gets the first, the first 10% before anybody else. I don't wait to see what I've got left. And not doing that, not tithing, is stealing from God. But when you begin to give God the first 10%, you get out from underneath the curse and you open up your life to God's blessing. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 puts it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I want to do that. I want to tithe, but I'm going to wait until I'm financially secure before I begin to tithe. No, you won't. Let, let, let me tell you something. It's a lot easier to tithe on $100 than it is $100,000. It's a lot easier to tithe on $500 than it is on $500,000. And if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it later. I, I hear that all the time. Oh, Pastor Chris, you know, if I win the lottery, man, woo, I'm going to take care of the church. And 90% of the time, I can look at those people and go, no, you won't, because you're not doing it now. Now, maybe, maybe you've been giving, but you haven't stepped to the level of obedience where you're, where you're saying, God, I'm going to honor you by doing this. I'm going to step out in faith. I want to challenge you to do that today, where you put God to the test, where you say, God, I'm going to test you in this. I'm, I'm not sure, but you say to test me, and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the challenge. So today, I, I want to issue that challenge. In fact, some of you, you know, you've, you've taken that first step. You know, you've given. Some of you have become periodic givers, uh, and then you've become consistent givers. And you know what you make. You know what you earn. I want to challenge you today to take what we call here at Coastal periodically a four-month tithe challenge. In fact, there on the, on, on the back of your Connect card, it says, yes, I am committing to the four-month tithe challenge. If you take that challenge, and at the end of four months, God doesn't somehow provide for you, meet your needs, or bless your life, we'll give your money back. Every bit of it. We'll add it up, give it back. Because I believe what God says. We believe what God says. Put them to the test. Figure out where you're at in your own giving right now. Are you giving regularly 2%, 5%, 8%? Step up to the tithe challenge. In fact, if you sign up for the tithe challenge and you've never tithed before on a consistent basis, we'll put you in a little group. I'll send you some encouraging emails. We'll send you a gift, a little book called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. We'll send you that just as a way to encourage you and help you take your next step. Step number four, step up to generous living. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Whoo, Pastor Chris, what do you mean? Step up to generous living. I mean, when I tithe, isn't that generosity? Because there's a lot more than I'm doing right now. Well, it's good because you're no longer robbing God. But it's not generosity. 
It's obedience. It's like expecting a reward for not cheating on your spouse. Okay? You know, let, let me ask the single women here. What do you look for in a husband? How many of you would say, well, I'm looking for a husband who's not going to cheat on me? Well, okay, that's good, but you've set the bar mighty low, okay? Hopefully your goals are a lot higher than that. I mean, after 40 years of marriage, what's the best thing you want to say about your husband? Well, he never cheated on me, you know? That's the minimum. Sure, it's expected, but it's the minimum. You see, generosity, follow this. It's what you do with the 90%. You see, if you want to be known as generous, you ask yourself, okay, God, so what do I do with the rest? What do I do with the 90% that you have given me stewardship, management of? How do I handle that? You see, in the New Testament, Jesus accepts the tithe, but he calls all followers to something called generosity. You know, an example of that is actually in Mark chapter 12, where it says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Now, by the way, I've heard people say all the time, well, Jesus doesn't really care about what I give. He doesn't care about my finances. It's nothing to do with my spiritual growth. Well, right here, actually, Jesus is standing in the temple watching what people give, and then he's making commentary on their spiritual growth based on what they give. He goes on to say, Many rich people put in large amounts. But then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. Again, it might have seemed like a lot of money because they made a lot of money. But she... As poor as she is, has given everything, everything she had to live on. Notice Jesus' attitude. Now, he doesn't chase her down and say, oh, wait a second, you know, you made too big of a sacrifice. Here's your two pennies back. You know, you shouldn't have done that. No, he didn't do that because he knew that she was going to be rewarded by God for her sacrificial giving. In fact, Jesus holds her up as a model. It's written down in Scripture, so we can hold her up as a model. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. Underline that phrase. Star it. Circle it. Cheerful giver. You know, instead of praying, God, help me to do this, even though I don't want to, you know, maybe your prayer should be, God, I know this is what you want me to do, but today, God, change my heart. Now, listen, the good news is, though, your heart follows where your money goes. So if you begin to give obediently, even when you don't feel like it initially, your heart will then become transformed, and you'll become more and more like God, and that, and that attitude will begin to turn to obedience, and that obedience will turn to joy. And generosity. And that's what God wants. He wants generosity. He rewards generosity. 2 Corinthians 9 6 says this Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now I want you to do me a favor. 
Look, look, flip your outline back over, and I want you to look at that generosity ladder one more time. So the first level at the bottom is not giving anything, being in complete disobedience, and then you become an initial giver, and you move up to partial obedience. Then you become a regular, systematic giver. You aren't tithing, but you're getting into the habit. Then you move up into the area of complete obedience. And you say, you know what? I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be a proportional giver. And then finally, the last level is generous giving, sacrificial giving. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, your your outline, you have to show this to anybody else, but I want you to put an X somewhere on that ladder. And, and just basically say, okay, when it comes to me and my giving, truthfully, this is where I'm at. Now, I mean, you're somewhere on that ladder, one, one of those rungs, this is where I'm at. Now, what would it like for you, what would it look like for you if you took the next step up that ladder? What would it look like for you? You know, if, if you've never given, what if you decided to, you know, take that offering envelope today and give a, a recognizable, you know, discernible gift? You're going to start giving today and begin that habit. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've given once or twice, or maybe you gave a one-time, you know, gift during Daring Faith, and, and, uh, but now you say, you know what? I'm going to start giving regularly, consistently. Maybe you're already there. You do that. And so if you're giving regularly, but you have never tithed, maybe today you take the four-month tithing challenge. Or if you are a tither, you step up to the, the life of generosity. And you say, okay, God, you've blessed me with all of this. Where do you want me to you know, give it? How do you want me to, to manage it? How could I be a blessing to the world around me? See, everybody in this room... We all have a next step, no matter where you're at. And so there on the bottom of your outline, back on the back of that page, I now want you to write, my next step is what? What is that for you? You know, it's funny to me when it comes to spiritual growth and, you know, people say, oh, you know, if you want to grow spiritually, you know, you, you need to read your Bible. And absolutely, I believe that. We teach that. If you want to grow spiritually, you ought to pray. And yes, absolutely. It, you know, if you want to grow spiritually, you know, you, you ought to uh, be a, a regular uh, church tender, you know, a, a fellowship with a, with a body of believers and, and be a part of a life group and get connected. And I believe that. Yes, yes, yes. But so often, we, we miss out on real spiritual growth in our lives because we never get a handle on this area. And if you get a handle on this area, you will grow and God is going to bless your life in areas and ways that you never imagined. Let me, let me close by saying this. Our God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted. And the way of this world is not working. It is a mess. If you truly want to become the new you, a new person in Christ, he wants to be Lord of every area of your life, including your money. Everything we have comes from God. He is so generous with us. In fact, he is so generous that he didn't hold back his one and only son who died on the cross for you.
And see, to me, this is really where it all boils down. Because if you can trust God for your salvation, you can also trust Him with your money. See, I, I really think sometimes that's where it all boils down. That's what it all boils down to. Do you really trust God? And if you trust Him with your soul, surely you can trust Him with your money. Listen, and maybe for you, that really is the issue. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet trusted Him with your life. Listen, forget about your money for a second. Have you trusted him with your soul? You see, becoming the new you is not about, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and trying to, you know, check some, li- you know, check some boxes off of a list. Yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No, listen, God wants to create the new you from the inside out, and he does it miraculously. You know, it's, 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 it's about a resurrection, and the way, that that, the way that transformation takes place is through putting our trust, uh, our, our trust in Jesus and what he has done for us. And if you've not done that yet, listen, don't walk out of here. Don't leave here today without making that most important decision. Now, I do believe this. I believe that it's possible for people to come to faith in Christ, and yet they still kind of want to hold on to different parts of their life. And for an awful lot of people, the last area that they still want to hold on to is their money and their finances. And listen, if that's you, let me tell you something, you are not truly experiencing the new you, the blessed life. But you can have that today. Whatever your next step might be, I challenge you to take it today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the the new you that has been created in us because of Christ. We are a new creation, a new person because of Jesus and what he accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And Father, thank you for that. And listen, if you are here today and you have not yet come home, you have not yet trusted God with your very life through your faith in Jesus, you can do that right here and right now. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I have, I have done life my own way. And not just my money, my relationships, my, my body, my life, everything. God, I have gone my own way. But today, Father, as, as that memory verse said, I repent of that. I turn around and I turn toward you. And I take a step of faith, God, in your direction. Today, I believe. I believe in the good news of the gospel. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you willingly sacrificed him for me and my sin. My sin put him on that cross. But death and sin and the grave could not contain him. He rose from the dead and he is alive. And today, God, I believe it. I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And now for the rest of my life, God, I simply want to follow Jesus. And for those of you in this room who have prayed this prayer 
you have prayed that prayer at some time in your life, but you have not fully submitted every area of your life, even your money, to God, take that next step today. Move up that ladder and begin to live the generous, blessed life. Thank you, Father. We love you, and we pray these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.